Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And today we are discussing book one, A Court of Thorns and Roses, chapter seven. Chapter seven. Okay, let's open up. Dive in. What have we got marked here? All right, first thing I have is her noticing their their plates made out of real gold. Mm-hmm. Our mismatched cutlery from back home flashed through my mind as I paused in the middle of the room. Such wealth, such staggering wealth, when we had nothing. There's mm. Farron noticing all the comparisons with her old world. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of this in this chapter, just... She's getting used to life in the, her new special world. Comparison. Yes. We could, I mean, do we need to tangent about comparison? <laughs> <laughs> comparison is a killer of joy. It is. It is. It really is. It really is. Well, like, I think that, I think like our brains are going to do, I mean, I don't think, I don't think that a brain can't like not notice. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is different from that. I think that it's supposed to do that. But the compare and despair, it's like when we compare and then we give it a meaning. Yeah. Or compare and then it's, because it's like a, a, an envy, like the jealousy envy thing, like, Mm -hmm. like, one of them, you notice what the other person has and you want it. And the other one is you notice what they have, you want that, and you want them to not have it, which is probably a little what she has going on here because she's like, these evil, wicked creatures, they don't deserve to have this. My family does. We're the good we're the good guys. Yeah. I mean, there's def- definitely some of that. Like, oh, my goodness, can you guys not see that the rest of us are, are starving? Yeah. But paragraph two, okay, so she's she's going, she's looking at what she's seeing in terms of comparison and like the way that I read this is like the reason it bothers her is because she's filtering it through her negative story. So she calls back to a half wild beast. Like that's what Nesta called me. So she's like, her sister called her this. And now she's looking at this comparison compared to him, compared to this place, compared to the elegant, easy way they held their goblets, the way the golden haired one had called me human. We were all half wild beasts to the high fae. And I just think that's so significant. We we were talking about this. We see this later in the chapter. We see this over and over. And we all do it where we interpret what we are seeing through our narrative about mm. ourselves. And I'm like, if she didn't already have this story about herself, I just wonder how she would have interpreted it. Yeah, definitely. It's all her story. It's a story. So much of her story. But yeah, so she's she's looking at this this abundant wealth, and immediately it's having calling back to her these worst thoughts about herself. Yeah. Oh, Feyre. Oh, Feyre. Well, the next thing I have is uh, where it's like the first time that uh, there's even like this awareness of him being a male and her being a female when when he uh, or when she doesn't answer him when he's talking to her, and then Lucian is like told you so your skills with females have definitely become rusty in recent decades so the fact that he's even trying to have skills with a female it's like okay there's there's a dynamic going on here they're not just beasts and a human it's actually male well this is this is where she finally learns his name too yes we've got he is tamlin oh tamlin and she now knows that he's decades at least decades old because mm-hmm. they've been slipping in recent decades and here she is 19 and he looks not that much older than her but obviously is quite a bit older than her yeah 
Yeah, and so she's so she's super uncomfortable. Oh my goodness, this whole chapter. There's so many things where we were just talking about Lucian, and like some people like him, but I'm like he just. I struggle with him in these first couple chapters. Oh, yeah. First couple um, chapters, you're definitely not supposed to like this. Yeah, one. he's like, don't look half as bad now. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, this is just so terrible. Um, okay, but this next one, she's like, wolves ready to pounce. That's what they were, just like their friend. Or, yeah, is that what I'm saying? That's what they were, just like their friend, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was all too aware of my diction, of the very breath I took, as I said, I'd prefer not to wear that dress. And this this moment stood out to me. And again, I don't know if you've experienced this. I'm not sure about everybody else. But just as a person who, like, has dealt with so much social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know that feeling where it's like you can't – it's like you can't be yourself. It's like yeah. – like how how am I holding my hands? Yeah. How am I holding my legs? I don't know what legs? to do with my face. I don't know what, what, to do with word, my arms. what word do I say? Like what's the exact <laughs> word that I say? Where every single interaction and moment and way that I say a thing is like just that hyper awareness of how we're being and how we're showing up and how we're talking. Um, yeah. And for her, she's trying to also hide the fact that she does want to run away and or kill these people. So that is why she didn't want to wear the dress. So she's even more on top of all this social anxiety that she has going on. She's also like, how do I answer this without being obvious about what? I mean, of course, they already yeah, they already know. Tamlin's on to her because killing us is easier. I know. We, I think we I think we actually brought that up in an earlier yesterday. episode. We did because we were got our chapters mixed up. <laughs> but it's a thing. I don't know, friend though. Like you and I, you know, this is you know it's interesting because we're we're being recorded right now, so we're probably not being like a hundred percent ourselves totally. There's a little bit of awareness because there is um, a microphone, but it is fascinating. I'm like I I feel more comfortable doing this, like talking with you, like on a being recorded, even though that's going to be out in the world, than I have just having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with other, with certain people. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Right. It's like, well, at least we're, we know we're safe in each other's company. I don't, they, they could be judging us all, all, but I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're saying. I just know you and there's this random camera in the room. There was, I, one of my, um, one of my friends who's a coach, he, I think he was quoting somebody else. So this is like way down the chain and probably like off from who, however it was said initially, but the basic premise being it takes no energy at all to be 100% yourself. Mm. Yeah. Like being exactly who you are 100% isn't draining. And I would think about, and I remember him saying that, and I just pondered that and pondered that and pondered that. I'm going to be pondering that for a while now. Right? Myself. And I would notice, I'm like, okay, so then I would go and have a, you know, a conversation or an interaction with a person. And sometimes I would leave feeling energized and sometimes I would leave feeling drained. And then times whenever I felt drained, I'm like, hmm, I, I didn't feel 100% comfortable to say exactly what I thought, exactly the way that I thought it in full honesty and so the whole time i'm talking like i'm enjoying myself but there is a part of me that's filtering what i say mm. right and like making sure that like i don't say that or like how do i say it like make sure i say it this way you know and some of it's knowing that the person across from me has different religious beliefs or different political beliefs but but also it's not really about the differing beliefs but about like not necessarily feeling fully safe to have a different opinion and that be received well. And I look back, I'm like, yeah, that's tiring. It is. 
it's exhausting. But you know what? It gives me, it reminds me, I'm the from book two. I won't say anything about what it is, but there is <laughs> a character who has to keep a damper on their, their power and their magic all the time. And that in itself is a little bit draining. And so that is the, that's, an, that's just an interesting parallel in what we have to do. Like it is, it is a little bit like keeping a damper on your, in, not in that same way, obviously, because it's not like, it, but it is unconsciously, there's this, well, if I let my full everything out, then that could hurt this relationship with this person because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in life who it's not safe to have certain conversations with where like say the wrong thing and suddenly your nice coffee with somebody is going to be a, an argument that you're friendship may never recover from and you yeah. might never see them again which yeah. obviously do we need people in our lives like that that's a whole other conversation that but, is a whole other conversation <laughs> i actually had that conversation twice today during coaching like what twice today during coaching and, and it was all this you know it was all of these like should and this and that and like relational drama and when when the relational stuff gets really complicated i do a lot of times pull people back to you are an adult yeah and as an adult you are allowed to hang out with who you want to hang out with and you're allowed to not hang out with who you don't want to hang out with and like the simplest and cleanest and i really like that word clean like the mm. cleanest way to make decisions about who we hang out with and don't is based on what we actually want to do but we're not taught to do that it feels so much more complicated no. okay by the way though okay back to what you just said I really like this because there is we're just like getting ready to do groundbreaking work right here so there is <laughs> there is a truth in wisdom okay and i talk to my clients about this all the time i'm like there's a difference between me not telling somebody my honest truth because i'm in fear mm -hmm. because I feel less than because I can't handle them disagreeing with me but something that makes me feel small or diminished and then there is a space of just being wisdom right that like not everybody's a safe space not everybody's a safe person for our truth and there can just be wisdom in avoiding certain conversations and it's not because I'm diminishing myself it's not because I'm afraid of speaking my truth but because i'm just like i know that's not gonna go well and i'd just rather not yeah. today and then there can be wisdom but i feel like you almost presented this other version of it can we look at being in conversations with people as from a place of being so incredibly empowered right because mm. it's almost like i felt like the two options that i've only that i've been able to see were one where i feel very small and disempowered or one where it's just kind of like neutral and like wisdom but like this place Ooh. of like we are people with such a deep well of power and can we move to that place where we are incredibly empowered and yeah and maybe sometimes we choose to not let it shine completely brightly so we don't blind some people around us Hmm. I don't know. See, I'm, I, still, I will have to think on that one if there's something power, if there's something good in there. I'm like, but I do like the idea of reframing this in a way that comes from power and from love. Um, but I don't know. I think the thing that I don't like about that, though, as we're working this all out, all out live is one of the commitments <laughs> that I made to myself, though, was I made a choice a while back of I will not diminish myself to make somebody else more comfortable. 
I don't know. And I kind of feel like that's what that is, though, right? Like, I if, know, if, this is, if this is my light and I'm dampering light. it. <sighs> yeah. But I, I also think it would require such a strong inner story, the opposite of Feyre's inner story. Like, your right. inner story would have to be, you'd have to be very comfortable thinking of yourself that way all the time. Like, I, oh, I, I got the first tinge of goosebumps when you said the third option, because it was like, what if we really lived like that? What if yeah. we... And it was from this place of like, I'm, I'm maybe not going to say everything, like I don't need to profess everything that I believe in every conversation. So it's not like I'm holding that in. But if I actually had that internal narrative going of that, I, and we that's really what we are. That, that is the power that we all have. We all have that that magic in us. Yeah. But we don't think of ourselves that way. So it, it is, we do the neutral or the small option. But that other option, it's like, what what special events am I saving that me for? Right. Hmm. And I think if you're thinking about the character that I'm thinking about from book two that we're not allowed to talk about because we don't want to give anything away, I think that they the way that they phrase it is that they keep a damper on their power almost because it's just easier to blend in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. And almost like, being the person whose power like shines super bright it's just easier sometimes to to blend in a little bit and i'm like and I, I feel like that's almost like what you were saying it's like just because like we understand like the deep depths of our power again doesn't necessarily mean that like every single platform is a space to like yes <laughs> if i told you lately my beliefs about this and that i don't know it's such an interesting conversation but the the truth of, you know, me going back and checking in with myself and like, if I'm not saying everything that I think, like, what is the real motivation behind that? And whenever I do anything because it's from fear, or if I do it from a place of, I need to make myself smaller to make you more comfortable. There's just certain spaces where I'm like, mm, no, I think, I, I think I'd rather it be a dumpster fire than abandon myself yeah and that's a hard choice <laughs> dumpster fires aren't like, a lot of fun they don't smell very nice but there are times right now where i'm like i'm like if and it's not usually those two options usually there's a couple of options but i just kind of made that deal with myself i'm like if these are my options dumpster fire it is i'm going with the dumpster fire like i just abandoned myself for too many years and i'm just yeah. not willing to do it anymore um but it has been interesting showing up that way it does create some dumpster fires. <laughs> some dumpster. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> oh, but it feels good to be to be in my own corner and have my own back um, as much yeah, as possible. That's obviously hugely important. Anyway. Anyway. So, so, but I just, yeah. So this idea of like being so hyper aware of every single thing, you know, that she's saying because she's so uncomfortable girl i just relate to that yeah. and i think so many people do where we just never feel and i had this conversation too on with some with someone else where i was trying to think through this and this was a while ago i'm like when is the last time that i felt permission to like at a hundred percent level say exactly what I think, exactly the way I think it. And at the time when I looked back, I was like, probably never. <laughs> like it's really just degrees of yeah. dimming, right? I'm like, there are people who I feel 
safer and there are a handful of people who I feel incredibly safe with but I at the time when I was having the conversation like having that realization of like I don't know if I've ever shown up completely honestly 100% myself completely vulnerable and felt safe to do that and that's not necessarily because the other people weren't safe I just couldn't feel it within myself to the place of letting my guard fully down that was a hard realization day yeah I remember I was, I was pretty sad that day when I realized that that like I never really truly felt safe enough to be a hundred percent myself with anyone. It was it was a turning point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many adults that would be an interesting poll if we could get a hundred percent of adults to to, yeah. to respond to this poll and find out like how. I wonder if that's a pretty common thing because as adults, it is hard to find really, like even within intimate relationships and everything. Like there's just always parts of you that like these. There's this. There's this. You can see all of this. Oh my gosh, you can see all of this all of this i'm opening all of this up to you um, but, um, except for this part yeah. yeah yeah i'd be curious so if you if you guys are listening uh, we are i'm very curious for everyone else like if it's if you have people in your life who are like it's a hundred percent a hundred percent completely me every bit of it or if there's any of you that relate to the idea of like mm, it's actually more de- degrees of openness without being a hundred percent there Hopefully we get a lot of polls because I'm super curious to hear that. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if Let you have those. Let us know. Okay. Fun stuff. And your hair is <laughs> clean. <laughs> you know, really, really yeah. sexy like, pickup line on look, page 60. You look better than before. Better than before. And your hair is <laughs> clean. Is, is that a, was that a compliment? Ooh. Which, I mean, one, because she wasn't expecting it. And two, because it was a little backhanded. Yeah. Because, well, she was filthy. So, she, it yeah. is an improvement that her hair is clean. <laughs> and apparently she's been plucked like a chicken as well. So, there's probably a lot less of it as well. <laughs> it's definitely not a turn on. But I will say that starting, so starting here, I have my first, like, oh, this is Tamlin's save the cat moment for me. Because we already had Feyre. Okay, so I don't know if you guys all know about this, but in screenwriting, you always have this save the cat moment with mm-hmm. the hero. They do something and you're like, ah, this is a good person. I love them. Now I'm going to join this journey and care what happens to them and care about them getting what they want. Well, for favor, she literally has a kill the deer moment instead of a save the cat moment in chapter one. And then a kill the wolf moment at the same time. So it's like we have a we have a harder time. With Feyre until we learn the why that you know it's her whole family. We get we get hers much more gradually. But Tamlin's for me here is when he's like, "Do whatever you want. I don't keep slaves. Like these aren't huge. It's not like oh, but still my beating heart. You don't keep slaves, and I can do whatever I want. But still, they're like this this little chink. It's not that's not beastly. It's a little chink in the armor of like okay, all right. Well, he was not going to make her do anything slavish, which she was kind of assuming that he would. So that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minimum baseline here. Yeah. And, <laughs> so sad. But, but there were, okay, so this page though, like right after this, there's a point and we see it happen here and we see it again um, later in the chapter where, so she she starts to let go a little bit of that fear. So the, you know, there's a release of that tightness in her chest where she's mm-hmm. realizing she's not going to be a slave. He's told her um, that she's, you know, whatever, I forget if she says it here later, but this idea that she's allowed to go around, she's Mm -hmm. allowed to do things. Um, But what she asks here, she's like, what am I to do with my life? 
you know, and at first she's like, are you wanting me to work? Are you wanting to earn my keep? And <laughs> Tamlin, don't you have any interests? No, Tamlin, this is what happens when you're in survival mode. You sacrifice your interests to get by and then you reach a place where you don't have any. Have you never been a mother? Don't you have you never book, Farah. <laughs> don't you do anything? <laughs> What's the thing? Yes. Um, you know, and she and she later has a similar a similar conversation with um with Alice. She asks her the same thing. What am I to do now? Like yeah. what am I what am I to do with the entirety of my mortal life? Mm. <laughs> so she shrugged and suggested a walk in the gardens. Yeah. Um almost left. But this is something to be, okay, again, going deep here, where when we have been in survival mode. God bless survival mode. God bless survival mode. But there's such a, there's a measure of it that initially is it's almost like because we don't really have a choice because we yeah. literally are surviving. But then it becomes habit. Mm-hmm. It becomes familiar. And like we talked about, just like her, where like we start to lose connection with those things. And I think then when people get to that place where they realize they actually do have some free time, like things are a little better, there's that, I, I don't I don't know what I don't to know do what I with like. it. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I think this was in my book, by the way, so you've probably already read this or I've told you this story. But I remember whenever I was starting to do personal development work, um, and it, it was kind of along the lines of, I don't remember zone of genius stuff or just something along the lines of figuring out what you want to do. And it was like an exercise. It's like sit and be calm and like imagine that like you wake up and nobody needs anything and the world is fine and there's plenty of money. Like, what do you do with your day? Like, what do you want to do if nobody requires anything of you? And it, it wasn't like I couldn't um, sort through the options, I couldn't even form a thought because every single part of how, of like every day, every moment had been obligation and need and have to and should and most of it really legitimate, some of it made up in my mind. And I had such a breakdown cry. And I think it was one of those times where like I didn't cry a lot not a huge crier that I think my husband like found me crying and like I couldn't even make sense of why I was upset. It's like, cause I don't know what I want and I can't figure out what I like. And I try to do this thing and I can't come up with anything. But I remember feeling, feeling like there must be something so horribly broken and wrong with me. I'm like, how is it possible for me to not even know what I like? And yet that's so common. Apparently, especially, it's very common. Especially for moms, especially when you, like, you come out of that whole thing, you're like, well, I, I'm not still into the stuff I was into before I had kids because right. I was a kid before I had kids right. and now I'm a grown up and I'm right. like, what the heck? What is I don't know. And like it has been good. I, and thank, thank God for coaching groups, not just like one-on-one -on -one coaching to really see mm -hmm. how many other people were dealing with the same stuff and to talk to so many people over the years. Um you know, like getting to coach hundreds of people and see like behind the scenes with so many people and just realizing how, like I know now it's truly normal, but I didn't. And yeah. be and because like we don't talk about those things or share about those things. Yeah. Um, but like discovering what I like and what has still been a process. Like I used to think that I liked cooking or like baking. I don't. 
I like eating things that I have baked because I know that they're safe and they have great ingredients in them, but that doesn't make me enjoy the baking. Our whole family last (laughs) night was talking about like, we all would like more baked things in the house, but there's not a Damn it. (laughs) We would all (laughs) like a cookie right now. I'm like, gosh, me too. And everybody kind of looks at me. I'm like, I don't want to do it. And everybody else is like, I don't want to do it. But I used to think that I wanted to do it because I liked the I like the feeling of accomplishing a thing. Yeah. And I I thought that that made me a good mom and it felt good to serve people. But I confused it felt good to do something nice for my family with actually whether or not I liked the thing. And when I discovered that element to it, I'm like, well, now I really don't have a clue because how do I separate oh, out no. my enjoyment of... You know, and then people are like, you're so good at this. You're such a good baker. You make the best stuff. And I'm like, thank you, right? Like ego. And I'm like... Wait a minute, if you take all that away, no, I don't have a clue. Yeah. I don't have a clue what I like just to like. Um, I'm glad you finally figured it out. I'm still getting there. Well, I know that you like talking to people and telling them what to do. I like <laughs> I like drinking coffee and having deep conversations. And, re- and I know that she likes reading fantasy romance, thank goodness, or we wouldn't be here right now. Oh, yeah, so right now, fantasy romance, conversation, drinking coffee. This is my perfect life. Woohoo! This is my perfect We're living life. the dream. Perfect life. Um, it really... It really is, but yeah, but I, poor Vera, again, like, oh, yes. I think that's why I can just relate to these books so much where she, she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, you and me both, girl. Yeah, I know, I do. I mean, obviously we know from the, from the bits of what she's seeing and what she's, uh, I don't know if we've gotten to that part yet, actually, but we know that she's an artist, we know that she's, she painted a drum and all of that. So we know that that's, and that's what she wanted to do. If she had, if like when they had that question in her own mind, it was, well, she knows she wanted to have enough money to pay for all the food and get some paint supplies and she just wants to paint. But of course she doesn't feel safe saying that to these high faith people who she feels completely insignificant around. And she's like, I, I like to paint. <laughs> she doesn't feel safe to say that. Yeah, totally. Okay, so they get, they now get into this conversation. So like one she's got she's pulling back to this like so i'm supposed to stay in luxury while my family starves to get mm-hmm. to death right yeah um, also but she gets guilty yeah around painting when yeah. you think your family is still starving yeah and i think it's so interesting she's like you know my family is starving you know she's like you know you have to let me go there's got to be some loophole um and lucian's like have you even apologized yeah. yet like and that was such an interesting moment like where you realize like there are two sides to the story and she hasn't been able to see that other side yet because she's still caught up in this. But they they then go on to talk about this, <laughs> how she killed him, how all of this looks, um, really, really comfortable dinner conversation. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I, I love this line here, like, do you know what it's like to not know when, when your next meal will be yeah and that's such an important because that it when you have been really poor or like actually hungry actually pulling quarters out of your sofa to go down to taco tuesday night to get your kids a taco each (laughs) like when you've been in that place and then you talk to somebody who was like i know i know there are some people in this world who only make fifty thousand dollars a year and that's fine and you're like If that's as low as you think life gets for people, my friend. We need to talk about right. actual reality. About what actually happens. So um, I, I get where she's coming from there, yeah. for sure. But what I like here that 
Okay, so there, there's this another thing here where she she fights, and Tamlin does let her know that her family's alive and well cared for. Um, he's like, you think so, little fairies, that you believe I'd take their only source of income and nourishment and not replace it. So we we she starts to she starts to understand that her you know that they are taken care of that they are okay um you know that sort of deal but i love this scene before because we just have i mean there's a lot going on of everybody seeing the conversation from different perspectives but we see backbone like the girl she's willing to fight like she's willing to fight and she only has half the story like there's it's not going well but again i i continue to love that she's got fight in her yeah um she definitely does. you know and it pulls her through like she's even when she's uncomfortable and even when she's afraid and even when um it's not it's not a comfortable situation she she's willing to fight so yeah and then tamlin does there there's another like a oh there's the he turned to tamlin turns to look at Feyre and it says he turned to me ancient and brutal and unyielding which is intense it's really intense to have a person looking at you who's ancient and brutal and yielding but then just a few paragraphs later when she says you swear it about the fact that he is taking care of her family and that they're well that they're well cared for and alive when she says you swear it he says on everything that I am and possess and that was another like ah oh, that's a good save the cat moment for me with with Tamlin too because I'm like okay that's a strong statement he really is taking care of her family I believe him now I'm starting to I'm starting to like him a little bit more at that point where I'm like okay because okay. she really right. genuinely thinks that her family is dying without her there so right, right. that's nice right he swears yeah. it and we're, we're and we're starting to get we're starting to get glimpses here of like okay maybe he's not this like big scary beast um so that's good um or not only this beast. Not also, only. He is, he is, he is literally a, a beast. <laughs> Some of the times. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then we have this, like, awkward transition where they're starting to ask about, um, you know, Lucian's just being kind of a jerk here about whether, you know, there's this, like, line of suitors out their door. Oh, yes. Which transcend, transitions into, yeah, their interesting questioning about um, <laughs> who she's dating, which is really weird for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get through all this, like, nice awkward also like, why do you guys, why, why do you care? Aren't you, like, getting, I mean, you just said, because Lucian was just like, why don't we kill her? And now he's, like, asking about her dating. Life. She's like, why does any care whether I think humans are more attractive than the high fae was? Oh, You're just what? so arrogant. What is this? Okay. End of this page, though. End of 65. Mm-hmm. You're insignificant yep. enough to not ruffle this estate. I have that one flagged also. There's some more. <sighs> more. And that so will for be her inner story. That will be a word that she comes back to time and time again because he said it. And this is, you know, and it's interesting because the what he's saying here still not a great moment, still not being careful with words, still not Yeah. You yeah. know, making this point but she's she's kind of asking for an explanation of his generosity and you know he's like i'm already killing too often like and basically as long as you don't start killing us what he's saying is like it's like the estate can handle another person here like there's as long as you're not killing anybody like it just he's saying it doesn't harm anything for you to be here not great word choice but like this wasn't meant to be hurtful but everything is viewed through her story yeah. Right. So like she snags on 
just that one word and she'll repeat that one word like yeah. and who knows what he even meant by that or like whole other conversation we could have after we've all finished this series and not have to worry about spoilers about like why does he say that and i yeah we can't we can't we can't know exactly what he's saying but i'm like it could it's one of those situations where like in context it could just be like you don't eat a ton of food like we have a lot of it exactly you're gonna eat a little bit of it (laughs) yeah it's not gonna hurt anything for you to live here because it's it's not that big of a deal Again, still not a good word choice, but it is fascinating to see how her brain hooks onto that one word. And he's just saying, I'm not going to kill you because you're insignificant. So it's actually like, it's it's nice to be insignificant because it means that I, he doesn't need to kill her. Yeah. But she, you know, she immediately goes to, she's embarrassed, you know, her cheeks are red. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, insignificant. Yeah. I was, and she, she goes all the way back to her time at the cottage mm-hmm. and her paintings. And we can see how this is. You know, this is her deeper story and her experience of all of this. Um, at which point she's like, I'm done. Thank you. Goodbye. I'm leaving the room because yeah. this is super Not quite feeling grateful at all. Thank you. Yep. To this. yep. Oh, goodness. Okay. So now she's, you know, so she goes, she has a good night's sleep. So she locks herself in her room. Her. She had such a good night of sleep compared to sleeping with her two sisters at home in their tiny bed. Yeah. But that was interesting too, though. So, oh, Vera and your story. Because so she's thinking about her sisters. <laughs> And she's and like, sisters are enjoying having the they, whole bed to themselves. They must be super glad that I'm gone. Yeah. Right? Like that no part of her, she doesn't even imagine that they miss her. She just immediately assume, assumes that like Nesta is just like glad for the space. And like in her mind, like the idea of like a fairy beast came and like snatched me out of our house in the middle of the night and they're probably happy. But I don't know. I mean, do you think Nesta was upset? That I guess if, I don't know. Do you think Nesta was upset? Because I think Nesta probably had already gotten over it and probably was a little like, ah, it's nice to have the bed of <laughs> Like, I don't know. You're like, you're like, sounds I right I haven't to read me. enough of this. I don't know enough of Nesta yet. I'm only halfway See, through book I actually, three, so. I do know what she thinks and oh, okay. I do know what she feels and we all find out later. Um, but, but the interesting thing is the assumption. Yeah. It is definitely an assumption. It's a little bit of a spoiler. But I, I love... That she's just lingering in bed and she's just lying there enjoying her. I got I this buried my face in the pillow, pulling the blankets higher. It just sounds, those, those blankets and pillows sound so clean and fluffy and luxurious. I want to stay in bed too. <laughs> sounds so nice. <laughs> oh, it is nice. I do that these days. You still got littler kids. Yeah. I've got like, my kids are at the age where... Yeah. Now my oldest is, she's more of a morning person, but my youngest, like we have to like drag her out of bed. Nobody's up early. My dog sleeps in. Like I'm usually the first one up and going. And if not, yeah, like, but I love this, like laying in bed. And this is one of those things I think we were talking about this. One of the most luxurious things for me is like, if I can wake up and the first thing, first thing that I do is just roll over and open whatever novel I'm reading to lay in bed and read a novel in bed like like before i get up for the day i don't know why it feels so indulgent and luxurious but it does it does like I, so I keep, much i keep my a quarter of wings and ruin right now i mean it's usually because i fall asleep like 
read, uh, falling asleep reading it, and then I put it there, and then I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, maybe I should read it. Maybe I should read this. Or finish that chapter. Finish that that chapter. Was falling. I just, I'm just going to finish that chapter, and then, of course, that turns into three and a half chapters, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> now everybody's awake, and that was all of my quiet time in the morning to myself. Oh, my god. But I got to spend it in Sarah J. Mass character, was- so it's all good. Her morning then gets interrupted when her trap goes off. <laughs> and... <laughs> What in the bottomless depths of the cauldron? I love that line so much. It's so something like I grew up in the South, and that's if we had had words like the cauldron, I'm sure that would have been a swear, a swear for an expletive on my grandmother's <laughs> lips all the time. What in the bottomless depths of the cauldron have you done in here, Amanda? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, and she feels bad. She feels bad instantly, you know, and they, they have this conversation where, um, she she's she's um reassured again that she's safe she's still not getting mm. the information that she wants but that she's okay um so then we do have an interesting passage here which i found because in all of these first chapters are really we're learning about our character mm-hmm. right like we're setting we're still story set up we're still learning about her and we've got these couple of chapters in here about her thoughts about her appearance yeah and that always stands out to me. It right? wasn't pleasing. Right. So <laughs> with the beginning of one of the paragraphs. But I think, but we get this idea that like she doesn't, you know, it's not great right now because she's basically starving. Yeah. Um, and everything is, she's, you know, th- that's what she says. Like I'm a far, she was a far cry from ugly. Yeah. Um, and she knows that and she knows what that looks like. But it was interesting to realize like when she looks at her appearance, it's not that she actually has, she seems to have a, a pretty decent um or she at least doesn't think herself ugly. You yeah. know, she's like, she's like, yeah, it's kind of like, it's it's in the middle. It's fine. Yeah. Like, it's not bad. Um, like, you know, yeah, right now I'm starving to death. So that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Because everything isn't going very well right now. Um, and then she goes back into the comparison. Though I suppose that for Tamlin, for high fae used to ethereal, flawless beauty, it had been a struggle to find a compliment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we were going to compare ourselves to cover models airbrushed cover models which Mm. of course at some point in our life i'm sure we all have gone through that fun oh my god adolescence i I love i love that there is more of a trend away from that like not for everyone but Mm -hmm. i know like i have really appreciated like the ongoing trend within like the body image movement that a lot of a lot of influencers a lot of people who post photos like when they then go through and they're like hey let me show you the same photo but with different oh, lighting that. let me show you Those what it looks like best. if i pull this down let yeah. me show you what happens if, if i just, sit down yeah it's just if i'm sitting straight instead of with my yeah and like showing so the different and they're like same body different angles same body different yeah. lighting same whatever and i even though there's a part of me that knows that knows it I find it so beneficial to see it like it's like I almost need it repeated over and over and over and like every time I see somebody do that I'm so so thankful and the first time I ever saw that was oh my gosh I just lost her name she was one of the like cover girl models and she did Tyra Banks Mm -hmm. um and she did like on the cover of a magazine it was like her face before makeup and like after makeup she's like this is what I actually look like when I woke up it was one of the most helpful things for my self-esteem ever. I'm like, oh, she looks tired. <laughs> and then just put on makeup. She didn't get a nap. She didn't get nine hours of sleep. How does she go from tired to vibrant? Oh, it was oh, makeup. Oh, all humans look tired when they like roll over. Oh, she's got bags under her eyes. Okay. Like, and it was so. That is incredible. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I love Powerful. that. I'm, I, I love, love, love that. There's a couple of accounts that I f- follow. What's What's the one? 
Do you follow Sunday Morning View? No. Oh my Should gosh. I? Yes. Sunday Morning View. Um, it's it's an account that really celebrates women's bodies as art, like all different shapes, all different sizes, mm, all different it. colors, um, all different everything. And um, yeah, their content often gets flagged um, because it's, you know, and it's a lot like the, there's a lot of naked images and just like really seeing the, the female body in its form. But it's so good because it, it's normalizing stretch marks. It's normalizing yeah. scars. It's normalizing, mm -hmm. you know, color variation. And it's such a good account. Anyways, but I have, I feel like I have to like constantly make sure that that's what I'm letting in. Yeah, that's smart. To, like to my images of all these things. But Farah, she seems Farah. to be okay. She's like, yeah. she, she's, like she's taking kind of this like grounded down to earth. Yeah, it's a, it's decently healthy it's okay it's okay yeah. um all right so then we've got another call back here to some of her she's walking down the hall we see some paintings mm -hmm. right so we've got some more of that and we see she's looking at it she's really really into this portrait and she's like i could have stared at it for hours you know this could have this could have just occupied my entire day yeah but i have to go do this other thing um yeah which was which was a conversation i had today did we even talk about that in this episode already but the idea of you know part of how we identify our zone of genius is it's like it's those things where we lose time oh yeah no we haven't talked about that yeah um, that's a really good point you know so when she said this i'm like yeah because like like Feyre, this is your zone of genius because you can do it you can do it for those things that we can sit down and do and we look up and it's been three or four hours and we don't feel like any time has passed at all it's <sighs> okay those are the things. And that was part of how, oh, we did talk in this conversation about like, what in the world do we want to do, right? Yeah. Like, do we actually know what we like? This was this was part of how I figured this out for myself. Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, I could get confused about just enjoying praise or enjoying serving or doing something just because it, because for me, I'm a, I'm also have an achiever personality. So I just like ticking things off of a list. It doesn't matter what they are. You make me a to-do list with 20 things. And if I tick them off, I feel pleasure just because I ticked them off. It doesn't matter what the activities are. It's a thing. And it made all of this really confusing. So part of the way that I started figuring out what I actually like to do was where do I lose time? What are the things? And not stuff like I zoned out to Instagram. Not like I was so tired. Everyone's zone of genius must be TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> You know, or like when I'm like... I'm so tired and I should go to bed and I've been staring at my email inbox for 30 minutes and didn't do anything. Not like that, yeah. not zoned out, but things were, oh my goodness, that was an hour and it felt like 20 minutes. It felt like yeah. 10 minutes where time was passing differently. Th this was part of how I figured out what I enjoyed and like what was for me. Yeah. And you're right. When somebody's like, where, good clue. when I learned about this, like losing time, they're like, where do you learn, lose time? I'm like, coffee dates? We work at coffee dates. Twenty five minutes it turned into three and a half hours. Oh my gosh! You should. At some point, it'd be fun to have my husband on here. And my husband and kids—they make so much fun of me for like how long it takes me to say goodbye to someone. Oh, they do. I thought that was just me. Uh, I I just always assume that I'm the person who takes the longest to say goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Well, and then my it's daughter. So. My daughter definitely rivals me now. Like yesterday, we were done. We were done recording. I'm like, all right, let's. We're gonna go. And then. I think it was 40 minutes later that we were actually in the car driving. 
Yeah. No, I just... I've passed it on to the next generation. Long goodbye. I feel like all we're doing is just saying like one more thing. It's just like, oh, just like one more story. But then it's like, then they tell one more, then I tell one more. And my, my husband's like, you have moved three feet and it's been 40 minutes. What are you doing? I'm like, saying goodbye. Like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> this is not normal. Is this not, normal is this not normal? Um, anyway, so any, if any of you out there are like, oh my goodness, I really connect with, with Feyre. I don't know what I like. Go try some stuff. Um, yeah. Go try some See stuff. Where you live sometimes. And if, if you got kids, we always joke. I think my watches My Little Ponies. We always joke about the Cutie Mark Crusaders. Either you get that reference or you don't. Um, but they didn't know what their cutie marks were. They just tried a lot of things until they found it. But I'm like, go try a bunch of things and see where where you lose time. Where does it feel like it's sped up? It's a good starting point, at least if you need a starting point. Okay. Some of us do. All right. Gosh, there's this is such a long chapter. Okay, so now we learn about we learned that there's a sickness in the land. Mm -hmm. So we get that first understanding of that. Um, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And we have a Tamlin, Tamlin request to go for, is this, wait, did he request to go for a walk with her here? Or did he well, he asked her, he said, him? do you want a tour? He, want, he offers right, to right, take right. her Do you want to go on a tour? And she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> do you have a problem with me? <laughs> like that, the whole conversation. Oh, anyway, so we have this thing where she, you know, at the end, we'll see you at dinner. Um, she's got some more awareness of what's happening on the land. And she, and right now where the relationship is, I strode off between the hedges, not caring where I was going, only that he stayed far behind. Yeah. Nice, warm relationship between the two. Yes. And that was chapter seven. End chapter seven. End of chapter seven. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to hop on over to ACOTA, that's A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O, where you can not only watch these podcasts as we go through the books chapter by chapter, but you can also get a little more involved with them. You can leave your own comments or all kinds of posts in the chats there, or you can dive in a little deeper and find out about all the deeper experiences that we have available to you. So we'll see you over there. Bye. Bye.